Welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast. We address the issues, opportunities, and challenges facing women in the development of the metaverse, the biggest revolution since the internet itself. Every week, we bring you conversations with top female talent and business executives operating in the gaming and crypto industries. Here's your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss. The Meta Woman Podcast starts now. Hello, and welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast, part of the Holodeck Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Lindsay the Boss Poss, and from struggles to success, we're covering it all. To our returning listeners, thank you so much for supporting the show. I so enjoy hearing your feedback, and to all the new listeners, I, I certainly hope that you'll come back next week. Today's episode is going to be really fun because it's an example of when shooting your shot actually works. I very respectfully slid into this guest's DMs, <laughs> and she was kind enough to answer. This is not an invitation for everyone to go sliding into DMs unless you're there to tell people how great they are uh, and not get upset if they choose not to answer you. But in this case, it was very serendipitously worked out. Um, I am so excited to welcome Gemma Bowen, aka Kawhi Foxita, to the show. Gemma is an amazing Sims 4 designer. Think HGTV in the metaverse. Chip and Joanna Gaines could never. I know Gemma's from the UK. If you don't know who Chip and Joanna are, that's cool. <laughs> um, welcome to the show. Thank I would you. love for you to introduce yourself, give a little bit of your background, how you got into Sims. Thank you. Yes. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to be here. Um, yes, I am Kawhi Puxita. Uh, people probably send me about on the internet. I'm around everywhere these days. Uh, I actually haven't been doing Sims that long. I've been only in The Sims since uh, March 2020 was when I joined uh, The Sims community. Wow, nothing um, that month too. So, so yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, I actually, I actually joined The Sims community at the beginning of the pandemic, and during that time, I, I was, I used to be a uh, graphic illustrator in archaeology, and I was doing that for 20 years. Um, but during the pandemic, I was made redundant. And when I was made redundant, I spent a lot more time building in the Sims and working with the Sims and working in content creation. I just kind of fell into doing it more kind of full time. And yeah, and it kind of snowballed from there, really. That's where I am. Like, it's amazing how quickly like things have developed and how how fast two years has gone and how I went from archaeology to the Sims and content creation and now community management. So it's been a lot. It's been a whirlwind. It's so cool, though. I want to make sure that I paint a pretty good picture for our audience because I'm not exaggerating when I say these builds are amazing and every detail is perfectly placed and it all looks incredibly real. Um, so the Sims builds that you do are essentially highly detailed sets depicting real places from imaginative places like Bly Manor to architectural structures like the eco-container houses yep. to functional living spaces like an LA bachelor pad. These are just some of the ones that I scrolled through that, <laughs> that you have up on your website. Um, but how in the world did you get into this online design kind of thing? And and being that your background is archaeological sketching, it sort of makes sense, but I would love to yeah. hear more how you got into the interior design, home building side. Right. Well, I've always been creative. Um, I've always had, that's like, that's my part of the brain is that I'm a quite, quite a creative person. Um, and I was already in, I was streaming. I was in content creation anyway, and I'd been doing that for about five years. Um, but I'd just been a variety streamer and I was getting bored of being a variety streamer. And 
I thought, look, I, I really just want to play a game. And uh, I was toying with ideas of what to do. So I started playing The Sims a little bit on stream. And then actually uh, someone in the community mentioned to me about how you could actually import custom content into the game. And I'd never done anything like that before. Like I don't mess with mods. I'm not really like confident with mods or anything, but they explained to me how I could do it. And once I had discovered the huge range of custom content that was in the available and the quality of the custom content that's available, I soon discovered that actually my passion for interior design, which I've kind of always had, but never really done anything with, kind of ignited. And I was like, wow, like there is so much that can be done with this game. And from there on out, I took an interior design course just because I was interested in it. And uh, and then I started to really kind of push myself with my designs because I could see from the people in the community just how talented these people are like it's incredible how intelligent you know talented these people are really and if I wanted to make a name for myself or I wanted to be if I wanted to stand out I had to find a niche and so my niche became trying to make things as realistic as possible and that's why I've started to explore the the realism that you mentioned and using the custom content to make it as real as I can. How do other people interact with your designs and with your content? I know you've mentioned streaming, but how yes. how, how are, are people either like playing with your mods, using your mods, admiring your mods even? Like what what is your community and audience building been like? It's been extraordinary actually just how well received my work is. And I never would have imagined that people would have enjoyed my builds as much as they have. Um, but it's all extremely positive. Like I'm very lucky that that the Sims community has kind of taken me in, even though I'm new, because, you know, it's a little bit daunting going into a, you know, a community that's well established. You're talking like a 20 year community. So I'm very lucky that they took me in and they are so receptive to the work that I do. And I get a lot of good feedback and a lot of comments about how I inspire people which is really what it's all about like if I can create something and inspire someone then I've done a good thing you know and to be featured in like PC Gamer magazine and be featured in like these publications was the absolute highlight for me for being able to create my Dragon Age stuff and use the sims to create another game was just the absolute highlight well I'll pile on for that because I haven't thought about the sims I mean I loved the sims when I was younger I hadn't thought about it and I saw your designs and was just absolutely blown away like they're everyone should definitely go look at them they are incredible and you have so many what is the design process like for you like from kind of start to finish so at the start I you, know, you have to pick something to design mm. and how do you do that mm. and then how long does a build take and then once you're done with the build what do you do with it <laughs> it's a it's a long process or it certainly can be um, I used to do a lot of big builds and then I realized that actually that was extremely time consuming so I kind of don't do that anymore I use a lot of reference material so I, I you know I go online I use Pinterest I use interior I've got a ton of interior design books so I I try and 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 with the realism stuff it's like picking something that I am drawn to and then I look at that picture and I think right I have to remember like my CC catalog and be like okay do I have those items in my library can I actually replicate this 
Um, so it isn't just taking inspiration from a, many different places and many people in the community because they are, like I say, they're so talented and so incredible. And the process can be long. Uh, you know, a build can take some of my builds have taken upwards of like 35 hours to do, you know, with the detail that I put into them. And especially when you're trying to recreate like a game environment, like I was doing with Dragon Age, I really wanted to nail it. So it takes time to get it right. And then from there, I then had to learn about photo editing because I didn't really know a great deal about interior photo editing. So I, that was a whole nother process. And a whole nother thing that I learned was how to actually photograph the builds in the game and make them look realistic in post, basically. And that takes time to, to edit them to make them look real. That's so interesting. That's an element that I certainly hadn't thought about. And I know that as you joined the community two years ago, and the builds have just gotten even grander and I know your skills have gotten even wider and I want to kind of talk about how you're able to develop those because one of the things that we previously discussed was how and you you mentioned it even earlier here that you took an interior design course and that was a real world education course in interior right. design I don't know exactly how I'm thinking about this question but I'm imagining someone who's in a similar situation who's wanting to take a real world course to help their game career how were you able to determine that those two things were kind of connected? What do you think the value is in kind of taking the real world course to help that? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I, I mean, I could see that what I was doing was more than just gameplay. And because I wanted to use The Sims as a rendering tool, because I'm not I'm not experienced in traditional rendering software so I don't have Unity experience or 3ds max or any of that so I took the sims and then used that as the rendering tool so being able to take a, an interior design course and then apply those things that I'd learned in that course to the game was really beneficial and I think not only for what I'm doing but like it's it's helped me think a lot about layout and it's helped me think a lot about perspective and it's made me consider lighting and these things I think can be applied to other areas of the game industry so it's not or even interior design like go into a different you know career entirely um but all these things kind of interconnect and I think taking real world courses applying them to games themselves applying to real world I think it's like a it goes back and forth and yeah learning as much as you can and and then applying them to the games world or vice versa when did you kind of know that this was something that you wanted to do full-time and actually monetize um, versus a habit because one of the things that I find the most interesting is you you noting that you learned the difference between it it being a fun experience mm -hmm. playing the sims and it yeah. being actual rendering um, yeah a real tool so when did you decide to make that jump was it kind of gradual or was it like oh wait I can actually spend my time doing this enjoy it and find a way to monetize it and get really good at it like what was that that transition period like I, fun I, pandemic to right I mean I don't know honestly I, I don't remember like that point but I remember seeing that as I was learning more the interest in my work was growing and then 
it was like, okay, people are really interested in what I'm doing. So let's roll with that. Let's see if I can challenge myself further and further to like make it better. And then I just realized that being in the community, I really wanted to work with community and inspire people. And that's really where I ended up. I went from archaeology to learning that actually I want to be supporting people and and inspiring people and, and creating because creating is really where I have passion. That's so cool. So this, I mean, community is a word that gets thrown around a whole lot in the games industry. Mm. Um, so what does it actually mean for you as someone who is a designer and who is in Sims? I know you've mentioned it a couple of times, mm. but what kind of interactions are you having? What kind of things are you putting out there to engage with your audience? Like, what is that community actually like to you? What does that mm. word mean? Well, I, I spend all of my time on social media. And particularly Twitter. Twitter is my home. I live there. And um, I do everything I can to just to just engage and be authentic. And that is really what it comes down to for me is you can't build trust if you're not genuine. And I've tried to be genuine. And I think that has made a difference to how people react to me, I think. And I've always tried to do that. Even when I started streaming six years ago, I've always been very honest and open about myself. I've been very open and honest about my illness uh, because I have Crohn's disease. I've been very open and honest about that. I've been very open and honest about mental health issues. And I think that resonates with people if they feel that they can connect with you. So it's not just about, you know, yeah, okay, I built this really great thing, but they also feel like I think they can trust me and they can talk to me and I'm just a normal person. I'm a mother, you know, there's all these other things. I'm not just like some lofty, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes, the stars, they're just like us. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the reasons we actually connected is sort of related to all this. And I definitely want to talk about accessibility and gaming um, a little later. But before we get to that, one of the reasons why we had initially connected is because I'm very passionate about bringing quote unquote casual gamers into the, into right. the game, gamer scene. I'm a big mobile gamer. I never know if I can consider myself a gamer or not. It really depends on who you talk to, but I consider myself a gamer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Often I feel like if I'm not playing hardcore shooters, there might not be a space for me, but obviously not true. And you've talked so many times about community and about engagement and about being authentic. How do you think that we bring that energy and excitement more into gaming broadly? Because it's it's very there in Sims. Um, like everyone I know that plays Sims has a great time. And I had a great time when I was playing Sims. And there is a really beautiful community built up around right. that. How do you think we bring that energy and attitude into gaming as a whole and make sure that everyone does feel welcomed? It's a very, very tough subject because... Just in the six years that I've been in this industry, um, I've seen how toxic it is. And it comes from a certain direction. And that direction uh, often labels people who don't play a certain type of game as casual. They're not real gamers because they're playing The Sims. You know, they're not real gamers because they're playing mobile games. But ultimately, if you play a game, you are a gamer. It's really that cut and dry. So it's changing perspectives, breaking this this crazy stigma that we have that you're casual if you don't play Fortnite. Like it doesn't make any sense. I think we've been trying to do that. And I think overall, broadly speaking, I feel like women have been trying to do that um, because it's generally directed at us. It's directed at us that we, we aren't real gamers. And I think because 
people are talking about it more and it's become it is becoming more common to talk about it and i think therefore getting the support of other men matters because they can change perspective from their end and having their their support matters so it really comes down to just changing perspectives and keep talking about it like we need to just not shut up about it and and you know we are here and we're gamers and we're not going to be pushed out because we don't play Call of Duty. Well, I like, love that because as a podcast host, my job is to not shut up. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> and aligns actually very mm. perfectly. Um, but I do really appreciate that perspective. I, I, I think you're right. I think things are improving and in large part due to sure. so many more people getting into the space and companies have a financial, I say this all the time, but companies have such a financial incentive to have more inclusivity you're increasing your customer base. It only right. makes sense. You don't have to keep putting out shooters. Right. You can keep putting out shooters, but do other stuff that gets yeah. more people to buy stuff from you. Absolutely. So silly to me to not do that. As you've gotten more involved in the Sims community, are there other kind of casual communities that you have also gotten or that you like or that you've seen and you're like, ah, oh, these are my people too. Like they're passing along the message. Um, I, yeah, I mean, a lot of these kind of cozy gamers you know, they all, I'm, and, I'm and definitely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like Stardew, like Animal yeah. Crossing, you like all of these, again, creative games, actually, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm always impressed by the Animal Crossing, like builds and designs that I see on my feed. And I think keeping that positivity going is what really makes a difference is that these, these little cozy game communities are really positive, we can kind of overshadow all that toxic nonsense that we get from that side I'm impressed by it like how just how positive everyone is oh I love that well I want to kind of bridge that into talking about how you've gotten started during the pandemic Animal Crossing Mm. New Horizons also happened to launch very early on in the (laughs) pandemic and definitely I know that a lot of people one of the number one reasons to play games is for escapism and to help on deal with mental health problems as they come up or just not even be full-on problems it might just be a really bad day that you need a reprieve from so how have you connected games and mental health um particularly now since since part of it has become a job right so that puts on a whole new layer of pressure and kind of maybe removes a little bit of that stress that may have been there um but what has your kind of journey been like with with games and mental health very positive actually in that I went through some very very difficult times and it wasn't just the pandemic it was prior to the pandemic and actually immersing myself into the gaming world really made a difference for me and it gave me a focus after my friend sadly took her own life in 2017 so my mental health was like really tanking and I was really struggling then and then I got really heavily into um I actually started out as an emote artist when I got into this I was a designer like I just taught myself how to create emotes so I was streaming and then I uh, I was actually part of the destiny community destiny one right at the very beginning so as you can imagine I came from a very toxic community took a break and then I was doing emote creation and I came back and then entered into a more positive surrounded myself with more positive people which made a big difference to my mental health I am very aware of of all the kind of negativity and the things that go on and it it makes a it makes a huge difference to me to see the positive side of things because we have seen such sad things happen in the gaming industry you know like 
rec fall and, and things like that. For me, it's been positive. I've been able to put my full focus into what I'm doing. It's improved my own mental health. It's helped with the connections and the friendships and everything has helped with my Crohn's disease in that I can, like you say, can switch off. I can come and enjoy what I'm doing. I get a big kick out of the work that I do. And like I said, I love making people happy. I love inspiring them. I love pushing my myself and my boundaries. And I think having things to focus on really can reset your brain and for me that's what I needed I needed a reset and now being able to to do it as a job you know I'm going to be starting these I'm starting these jobs now as as community manager Uh, I'm really excited to see how that where I go from here really that is so exciting and I, I want to talk more about kind of your your struggles as well with with chronic pain and with chronic Mm. illness, I haven't gotten to dig as much into accessibility on this show as I would have liked, but I would love to know from you as someone who, who does struggle with uh, chronic health problems, Mm. what you think that either game developers and companies could do, or on the community side, what players can do to help improve accessibility or improve understanding of how any type of chronic issue, whether it's an illness, whether it's a mental health issue, whatever it might be, Um, can impact people's abilities to get access, enjoy games? I think certainly in the content creation side of it, when it comes to how we are consuming, we've changed how we consume things, like since the birth of TikTok and these kind of like quick fire, immediate gratification. It's all this kind of immediate gratification. And I think for people like me, where our you know, we have times where we can't function. We're too tired. I have chronic fatigue. There are times where I can't because pain is too much. So there's a lot of pressure on us to keep every day producing this content. There's this discussion in the whole streaming and content creation space that you have to be on every single platform. You have to be posting every single day. It has to be constant. Monetize wherever you can. And it's just... like constant and for people with chronic illness and chronic pain and depression and mental health issues that is too much for us because sometimes I don't want to create because I don't feel well enough to create and I think for our own mental health and our own mental well-being we need to be able to go you know what it's okay it's okay if you're not on every single platform like I personally have been really stubborn and I've dug my heels in and I said, I'm not having TikTok. I will not. And I do not do not want a YouTube channel. I don't want those things because there is no way that I could juggle the things that I do and being a mom and looking after my own mental well-being and looking after my health and working plus creating content for, t- content for TikTok, YouTube, Twitter. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I think for me, I would love to see it change in that we are not constantly demanding we're too demanding of people and we're too demanding of content creators and gamers and streamers and we're just too on all of the time and it's not it's not good for us it's not good for our mental well-being it's not good for our health you know people sleeping three hours a three hours a night you know it's not good for us in the long run and for me, that is what I would like to see changed overall. That's a really great point that I hadn't thought of. And I kind of laughed in the middle of that because I too have steadfastly refused to get TikTok. Um, <laughs> I know all the kids are on and I know it's mm. the cool place to be, but I can't. <laughs> no. um, 
I, so I totally get that. And that's a really good, that's a point of accessibility. Like that's accessibility in a way I hadn't thought about it. Um, and obviously I know so many people are out there thinking about parasocial relationships and how you feel so much closer to a streamer that, mm-hmm. yeah, we've all read those stories and mm-hmm. all kinds of things. So I think that's a really great point in that, that audiences need to learn how to be forgiving with what streamers can do. And absolutely. What, yeah, that's super fascinating. Have you felt like you've been in an environment where audiences have been, have been forgiving or are you? Are you still kind of learning that balance? I think I'm still learning the balance, but I think I've got better at it. I think over the past few years, I've realized that actually I can take a step back and I don't have to do something. I still do it anyway, because I kind of, I'm kind of that way. Like I'll, I'm very uh, particular about the content that I put out and I try to put out content all the time. Um, But I am definitely like stepping back from that because, it, you know, I I used to stream for like nine hours at a time on top of working and everything else. And it's just too much. It's not healthy. But I think if you if you look around, you're actually seeing people change that how they're talking about that stuff. And it definitely seems like it's it's shifting that actually this grind that we have to do to become Twitch partner or whatever people are like no we don't need to do that anymore like we can just stream for three hours and that's okay I love that's yeah that's really fascinating and I'm glad that you built that up I want to move into kind of a last little segment here and talk about the metaverse which I think is mm-hmm. related to this because we will be interacting with content and people and everything in such a different way um I already think of you as a full-blown metaverse designer I I know that that's you uh kind of said that maybe that's not something you had thought of before this show mm-hmm. but you totally are like the same mm-hmm. virtual world and you are just mm-hmm. building amazing things uh, in, in that virtual world are you looking forward to or thinking about different ways people will be able to interact when there's more accessibility to AR and VR technologies um, and when yeah. we're kind of more immersed in those worlds? As someone who does interior design, absolutely. Like, I love the idea yeah. of it because... Uh, <laughs> just going I I do actually have a VR set and I've got I've got an oculus and I remember when I first went on that and I saw that you could change those like home screens the landing screens that you go to and there was like these beautiful houses that you could have as like your home screen and I was like whoa this is how I want to do interior design like we can do it all digitally it doesn't have to be you know we can do digital courses we can do interior design that way and it's going to be accessible for more people to be able to do interior design that way. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really exciting for me because I would absolutely love to be able to do like virtual reality interior design would be incredible. Being able to wander around your creations would be amazing. Yeah, I hope there's more of that. That would be amazing. Yeah. And and great for more people, you know. Well, specifically being able to wander around your creations is something that I would really like to do. Yeah. I'm telling you, everyone has to go look at what she's made. It's <laughs> incredible. Thank you. Um, how can companies who are quote unquote building the metaverse? I mean, you talked about it. You you've mm-hmm. been I mean, you're a metaverse designer, and you've been in whatever mm-hmm. metaverse exists on the Oculus. <laughs> uh, how can they keep inclusivity in mind? The main thing is actually having discussion. Like that is really what it comes down to is that we need to talk to people. They need to be talking to the people that they're trying to appeal to. So actually having discussions with people who need accessibility and not 
alienating them from the conversation because it's no good, you know, 10 able-bodied, healthy individuals creating stuff. That isn't going to work. So the diversity has to come into it. And when the diversity comes into it, then, you know, what they're creating can take into consideration all of the different things. So just keeping that dialogue open and making sure that what they are creating appeals to the people that they're actually aiming it towards. Whether they do that, I know game, I know games industry is changing and they're trying to be more diverse and more accommodating to various things, but hopefully, hopefully more. Right. I certainly hope too, to your point earlier, that content creators and those parasocial relationships are taken into consideration before you're able to kind of drop yourself into someone's virtual environment and stay there and interact. I just hope that as you've mentioned with audiences before, that there's definitely that consideration, um, that step to think about what am I demanding and is it humanly possible? And is it capable? I hope that that's, that's when people decide to get into virtual worlds that there's Mm. that consideration as well. I want to quickly summarize some of the things that we've talked about before we jump into the very last segment. This has been so much fun. Um, I I really have truly enjoyed this discussion and I don't get to talk to a lot of streamers, so it's been fun. (laughs) Um, We started with kind of a discussion on you and your career and how you decided to carve out a niche by creating environments that are hyper-realistic, super detailed. You were able to take inspiration from many different places and people and the community. And once the idea of gaming expanded, expanded into kind of a full-on rendering tool rather than just gaming, you wanted to take that jump even further and add education into the mix, add more interior design skills, tools, photography, peripheral mm-hmm. uh, necessary needs and all that good stuff. You added all of that in. So as the challenges and builds got bigger and better, the community grew around those builds and engaging and being authentic has led to growth with for yourself, for your work within the community. Mm-hmm. We also talked about how cozy games are here to stay. Being able to find a positive community where you can immerse yourself can help people through mental health struggles. There's absolutely a lot of toxicity out there, but actually finding positive environments can help provide a reset for people dealing with mental health struggles. From the content creation side, we talked a little bit about accessibility and how creators are not and should not always be accessible to their audience. People watching and fans can be too demanding of content creators. I think it comes from a good place a lot of times. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, people yeah enjoy it. To, yeah, exactly. Want to engage, want to to tell you how great your work is, but there's a balance between that and how much you can provide and still be a real person on the other right. side. So that mental health balance is important. We ended with a little bit of a discussion on the metaverse um, and how you're excited to be able to be a actually port yourself into your designs, explore, walk around, and how important it is not only for people who are interacting with content creators and with content to be aware of what they're doing within the metaverse, but also for game designers to not only have able-bodied people there, right. to make it truly accessible for everyone. So it's been wide-ranging discussion, so much fun. <laughs> I like to end every episode with this this bit called a moment of reflection, which is just a chance for you to look back on your career as a whole, how you got here. The thing I like to ask is, what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self about getting into the gaming industry and being successful? I would say, don't give up. Literally do not give up on yourself. You have to just keep, even if you don't believe that it's gonna happen, you have to just keep going. Because for me, I wanted to give up so many times 
And I never thought that at my age, being 38, that I would go from a career that I was really unhappy in to one that I love and get so much pleasure from. I just never thought that would happen. I was, I just never really believed it, but I had to keep pushing and I had good, uh, surrounding yourself with good people, good people that actually believe in you and want to, and want to like encourage you to keep going. That is also really important. So two things, good people and don't give up. I Absolutely. love that. Thank <laughs> you so much for sharing that. I, this has been so much fun for me. Thank you so much for coming on. For responding Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Thank you. Um, where can people find you, follow you, keep up with your work? Now we've plugged Twitter like a bunch of times, but yeah, yeah. tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, they can find me on Twitter. That's where I am most of the time. Uh, Kawhi Foxita. I'm Kawhi Foxita on all socials. So you can find me on, as Kawhi Foxita on all socials. Um, and also at twitch.tv forward slash Kawhi Foxita. And I will also be the uh, community manager for Coatsync and uh, Guy Lee Games. So I'm around all over the place. So fun. For all the listeners out there, be sure to leave the five, those five-star ratings and reviews that I ask you for week after week. <laughs> be sure to check out Holodeck Media podcasts, including Meta Business and Business of Esports. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, Lindsay Poss. You can catch me Wednesday afternoons on the Business of Esports live after show. You can catch this podcast in your feed every week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Woman. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Woman.